Abortion rights under attack? Trump trying to hide his paperwork. Let's talk about it on Push Talk. So we are back. Today is, what is today's date? Somebody help me out. The 10th? Today is December 10th. And we have a lot to talk about today. So as you guys know, a couple of hours ago, um, we were kind of just discussing it, that the Supreme Court allowed um, the challenge to be brought against the abortion law that was passed in Texas, but they allowed the law to stay in place while they actually wait for the challenge to come. So, I mean, a lot of times we hear so many times about women, and I get the argument. Women have the argument like, a man, like it shouldn't be men making his decision, but I thought it was interesting that we have three men and I think our opinions are almost the same. So let's start talking about that first. James, should we be in the business of telling women what or what what they should or should not do with should their bodies? Be in the business. As men, should men be making that mean? You know what I'm saying? Because most of the people who are in Congress, most of the people in these houses, they're men who are passing these I, bills. Yeah, yeah, I know. I, I get it, but. <sighs> No, we shouldn't, but as a potential father, we should have a right to be able to express our opinion with with her and be able to have that discussion. Now, ultimately, it is her body, her decision, that kind of thing. But um, as a father, we need to be able to be able to have a say. What do you think, Sean? I mean... As a married man, I would be upset if my wife told me. You had to throw the married man part in there. I'm just telling you. Like, this, this, as a married man, I, I think, I mean, I agree that it should be the woman's decision ultimately. But at the same time, if my wife came and told me she was having an abortion, I would just, I kind of would be a little bit devastated by that. Just as, as, as a, you know, I don't look at it as just like a pregnancy. You know, this is, this is my child that you're, we're talking about here. You know, but at the same time, I can't understand. It's a lot of responsibility that comes with that. So if it's a situation where the people don't want to be together, or one person doesn't want a child, it's it's like you're bringing a child into a situation that's unfavorable to start off with. It's hard enough with all the stuff we got going on in this world, COVID, the economy, and all of that, to add that on now put a baby in that situation. Yeah. So I'm going to play devil's advocate, right? And I'm going to stand up for my sisters here. I think that um, I think that we can have that private conversation, but I don't think that law is the place where we fix that at, or policy is the place that we fix that at, right? I don't think that men should come together and say, well, women don't have the right to have an abortion at all because there are certain circumstances. Like, there are circumstances where women have been raped, and I think even in the case of Texas, they literally say even if a woman was raped, they could not abort the child and what his solution to that was that they're going to stop women from being raped rape has been around since the beginning of time I mean right. you're not going to stop that from happening right let's be realistic about that and I don't think this is a policy thing I think that people should have the right to have an abortion um, and if a man and woman decide that they want to have that conversation if you're married to somebody or if you're dating someone and they decide that they come to you and say they want to have an abortion I think there should be there, there should be a conversation had because, again, the man did play a part in making the role of the baby, but ultimately that decision lies in the hand of the woman. Mm-hmm. And I say that from a person who has, um, re- sadly, had that scare before, where I dated someone who got pregnant, 
and she made the she made the conscious decision that she was gonna uh, have an abortion. Um, and I didn't fight it with her. I didn't argue with her because ultimately, like, it wasn't gonna be me that was carrying that for. I mean, carrying the child for nine months. It wasn't gonna be me that had to go through the the emotional swings of that. It was gonna be her body. Um, and we had a conversation about it. I don't remember it being a long conversation because once she told me what her opinion was, I kind of left it there, and I even took her to have the abortion. Um, and but again, like. I think that we can do that without there being policies in place right. that completely says you can't do it. I, you, I, agree, I agree with you on that, and I too have been traveled down that road, and um, just hearing the stories of the, the actual process, mm-hmm. man, that thing, like, really, whew, I understand why folks do it, and, and the, you know, the reasons why, but what I personally recommend it, Eh, no, but again, that that choice is the, at the end of the day, that's her choice, um, and I get it. But as as a couple or somebody you're dating, this and the other thing, that conversation, you He's know, and all, my yourself. whole thing about it is, you two consenting people, you need to have that conversation. And if you're underage, then you need to be having that conversation with your parents. Because and even to that to that as aspect, I think that even children who are underage, if you're old enough to lay down and make the conscious decision that you're ready to have sex with somebody, I think that you should be allowed to have the conscious decision of what you want to do with your body. Because ultimately, even as a parent, um, we know that there's some cases where people have had abortions and then not, later on in life are no longer able to have a child, right? Mm-hmm. Um, that should not be, I mean, I get a parent playing a role in that. Right, because ultimately, if your child is 15, 13, has a child, it's probably gonna be you raising that child anyway. But the long term effect of what that can do to a person, or what that can do to a person mentally, like a lot of people who have abortions or even have miscarriages, they go through things emotionally for months, for years yeah, yeah. At, at a time. Right. I've been with people who have had a miscarriage before, I've been with somebody who has had an abortion before. That effect, where I may have moved on from it quicker than they have. As a woman, they go through that all the time. Their body feels it. Their body's going through it. So that's why I'm saying, like, I don't think it's a, the man's place, from a policy perspective, yeah. to put policies in place to tell, to tell a woman what they need to do with their own body because it's already emotionally draining as it is to even get to the point of saying, I'm getting ready to do this, right? right, right. Now, if we're in a relationship and we have that conversation, that's different. But ultimately, as men, even if a woman decides that they're going to go that route and you disagree, you have to be able to suck it up because at the end of the day, it is their it's body. Um, and right. it's no different than when a man decides that, hey, I'm going to stop having children and I'm going to go and do yeah, whatever. Bisectomy. Bisectomy, yeah. right? And we, I mean, sometimes we don't think about how the woman feels from the other perspective. So, I mean, everybody has to make, when it comes to your body, everybody has to make the best decision for your body based upon what you know you need for your body. It would be no different than a doctor coming to me and saying, I need surgery. You know what I'm saying? I have a right to question why. I have a right to question what's going to be the repercussions of it. And I have every right to make a decision on what I feel is going to be best for my body and how I want to live my life. Because ultimately, if I have surgery and you're telling me that this can go wrong, this can go wrong, my mom ain't got to live with that. My dad ain't got to live with that. I have to live with that if that's a repercussion of the surgery, right? Mm-hmm. And, and I'm speaking from experience. <laughs> I'm not speaking for something that I think I know. And, I mean... You. I mean, it's an error by all of us, right? We can all relate to something that's happened in our life to where we had to make a decision. And ultimately, the only person that it was going to impact was the person sitting right here in this chair. Um, and that's part of it. And and I get it. I do get it. It is, it is not as a man who wants to have a child. It's not easy to take a woman to go abort what may be your only opportunity, right? 
Um, or for, or even for a woman to come to you and say, hey, you know, I had a miscarriage. That, I mean, it's, it could be draining on everybody. But the ultimate, like the end of the day, like I remember one person I dated, she did have a miscarriage. And it was, I felt it, but to see how she was dealing with it was totally different. And it was something I couldn't relate to. You know what I'm saying? I couldn't relate to what that feeling was like. Because even, you know, when a woman has a miscarriage, depending on how far they are alone, sometimes the only way for them to miscarry is to actually allow the baby to come out. Like, right. allow, and they right. see that. Right. I didn't have to be in the bathroom with her when it happened, you right. know? So, I, I think that men, when it comes, I think men in Congress, men in the Senate, men in state houses, should not be in the place of playing um, the role of being the, the executive of women's bodies. Um, I think that abortion should be allowed by anyone who wants it, right? But again, those conversations are private conversations. I don't think that's any different when, as a country, we argue that when we talk about gun rights, right? We talk about um, when we deal with gun rights, we talk about when we're treating our children how to carry a gun and how to hold a gun and all this kind of stuff. Right. That's a personal conversation. That's something that you have between you and your family. So a gun is more valuable than a person's body or their life. Um, and as a country, like when we've gotten to the place where even health care is an issue, we argue about people having the right to health care. But yet we want to take away the people's rights to have an abortion or do these other things. But yet, health care is not. No, no. Well, we it, want to get involved in that conversation. The thing is, it's, it's you know there are times or situations where the woman's life is at stake if she, you know, you know, uh, because of whatever health issue she may have, her life is in jeopardy if she carries or gives child childbirth, and it's the risk is really really high for her. And you know, if she and, and at that point, once she finds that out, she can always decide. Well, you know whether or not. And if you're the the, the father, you gotta you know. At the end of the day, there's still some choices and a conversation that still needs to be had. You know, especially as a as a husband, you gotta decide. You know, and I can only imagine. I'm, you know, I can only imagine that as a husband what that conversation even how that conversation even goes you know what i'm saying because you love your wife but you want the child because you you never had a child or you want your daughter or you want your son or whatever the case may be but do you want it at the cost at the expense of your wife and that's one of the things that needs to be taken into consideration as a as a husband i i, I would imagine because I'm no longer married at this time, and I didn't have that issue. But I would, uh, I would only, you know, my best guess is that's kind of the direction the conversation would go in the in my mind. Mm -hmm. Now, of course, the actual words come out. You know, when you're sitting at the table trying to figure it out, what to do, and everything. Um, and then again, of course, the uh, the option of adoption is still on the table. Uh, for uh, for someone, especially if her life is at risk, and you know, because you know, so we have to take those things kind of need to be taken into. But then too, I mean, and I hear people like I heard the argument before recently that um, a person, I think it was one of the Supreme Court justices, like you know, a person could adopt, right? Um, a person could adopt. The problem, reality is that our adoption system is way overcrowded now. People are not adopting the way they are. Right. Um, the way it is now. So to say that we're going to bring more children into the world um, 
we're going to bring more children into the world that we're going to send into a system that is not even ready to receive them. I mean, and again, I'm not, don't get me wrong. I don't want anybody out here thinking, because I don't want y'all coming out and writing me later, that I am pro-abortion, right? From a spiritual standpoint, I'm definitely anti-abortion. I don't believe people should have abortions, right? Um, but I think that I am in the, I'm in the field of saying that even though I don't personally believe that, my personal belief should not be enforced upon a person. Right. That's where I'm at. Um, so I'm, I'm anti-abortion from the perspective that I don't believe people should have them, but I'm pro-abortion from the fact that I believe people should have the right to have them. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and that's what I mean. Like, and, and, and even from the clergy perspective, a lot of clergy is shifting that way to saying like, hey, we may be anti-abortion. We don't want to see it happen. But at the end of the day, people have a right to do what they want to do. And I think that that's just from a Christian standpoint, spiritual standpoint, that's a God-given right. God gives us the right to make the tr- make choices, right? Um, and there's a difference. And when we talk, I mean, I'm bringing this up, somebody be like, well, you know, so that means that we should give a person the right to kill. That impacts somebody else. If you go out and kill another person, right, that's impacting somebody else. If you're killing something that's a part of you, your body, that's something that you're responsible for. You're something that you're going to have to deal with, ultimately. And that's something, again, that you got to deal with. I get it. I, I do get it. But at the same time, I, I just don't believe that we as men should have that right to tell a woman what they cannot do. And, I mean, we should have the right to have a conversation with them about it. We should have the right to say, hey, no, we don't want you to do this. But I shouldn't have a right to put it in policy to make it illegal for you to do so. That's my argument. Right. And Texas has gone above and beyond. And, I mean, it was so bad. I was reading an article before we got on here that even this, this Supreme um, Justice Roberts, who's the Supreme Court, or Supreme Court Justice, but he's the head Supreme Court Justice, or he's the Supreme Court Justice, Chief, Chief Supreme Court Justice, whatever. Um, he sided with the other three liberals on the panel saying, like, this is a sticky road that we're going down. Mm-hmm. Um, because one of the things that's important that we need to hold people to this, when um, Justice Amy Barrett was was nominated, and I think Kevin Kavanaugh was nominated, and I think Neil Gorsuch was nominated, they were all asked, what would you do with Roe versus Wade? And they said, it's the president of the land. This has already been decided. This is not something that we're going to overturn. But they're taking a path as if they're willing to overturn it. It's, I mean, and that's weird, too, within itself. A stall tactic? Yep. No, not only that, it's weird within itself because it's abnormal for the Supreme Court to overturn something that's already been established, right? right? That's not something they usually do. They don't usually go back. Definitely something that the Supreme Court established back in, what, the early 90s? I thought that was back in the 70s. It was, it's been a while, but whatever, it's been a while ago, right? It's abnormal for them to go back and say, we're willing to relook at this and redeal with it. They, it's already been settled. And I don't even know why this is even up for question. Right. I agree. I would just say that um, people should be educated on why abortion clinics were started in the first place. I don't know if that's going to really sway their opinion on getting an abortion. Um, But just to know exactly why abortion clinics were were started, um, I think that should be at least a part of the conversation. Uh, just education about it and you know if you still feel the same way and I mean I don't think that possibly would really switch somebody but but I I, you know I was involved with someone I'm not going to say on what level because then they give this person away but I was involved with someone who had at a young age her stepfather was raping her right um every day every day in fact to the point where when we were together I wondered why they didn't want to clean up and all this kind of stuff and literally he would 
tell her like, okay, tomorrow when I come home, if the house is not clean, you know what time it is, right? And she would go and clean up the whole house, scrub the floor, everything. And he would come in, take his dirty shoes that he had wore to work, dust the dirt off his shoes and put them on the floor and be like, there's dirt on the floor. You know what time it is, meet me in the basement. She ended up getting pregnant by him, right? Again, that choice is hers. Are you telling me that psychologically it's fair to that woman to have to look at a child of someone who raped her every day for her, of her life for almost two to three years? She made the conscious decision to keep the child, but that child grew up in a world to where he was raised by her mother to think that he was her sister. And the person who was doing it was her brother's father. So the child that she had, the person I was dating, was her brother's nephew slash brother because it was his father that was raping her. So, but how do you tell somebody they have to live in that situation? You know what I'm saying? Luckily for her, she was at a point where mentally she was able to to deal with it. And, and somewhat, because when we broke up, she was still dealing with it. She was still processing it. And at that point, her son was six years old, you know? Um, but luckily, she found a way to deal with it. But everybody doesn't have that benefit. Everybody doesn't have that support system. Everybody doesn't have that, right? There's some people, there's women right now who are raped on the streets right now every day who don't have that kind of support system and don't have um, access to having somebody who can help them or bring them through that. Yeah. And you mean to tell me that those people have to live with that memory? And again, I'm not arguing that abortion should be something that everybody's got to do. You make a bad mistake and you just go have an abortion. Every single time you go have an abortion, right? Um, but uh, the same people who are pro anti-abortion are anti-Plan B. They're anti-birth control. They're anti-all this stuff. Like, I, I remember, you know, it's crazy. One time, I remember going to go get, uh, I think I was going to get, like, an STD scan. And this is probably too much information for the podcast, but it was. <laughs> I was going because I went every year to go get one, right? And it was in Tallahassee. And the lady was telling me, who worked for the health department, she was like, yeah, we, we you know, you know, a lot of people come through here and they get tested for, like, all these different things, herpes, all this kind of stuff. But... We can live, no, HIV. She was with some friends with HIV. She said, we have a pill now called PrEP that we can get. And this is before everybody knew what PrEP was. Mm-hmm. She said, we have a pill called PrEP that we can give them, but they don't want us promoting it because they because we was told that if we promote it, it would be like promoting un- having unsafe sex. And I was sitting there looking at her like, so you'd rather a person go out and catch HIV because yeah. they're going to do it anyway mm-hmm. versus you guys giving the society something that they can use every day that'll help stop the spread of this virus, but you rather just keep it to yourself because if, we don't have that control of a person's life. We Listen, as much as I would be like, like I would love for everybody to be like, oh, no sense into marriage. As a preacher, yeah, I would love that, right? But the reality is that 90% of my congregation who ain't married, it ain't happening, right? <laughs> um, it, it just ain't happening. And we got people sitting in the quiet, we got people sitting in the pulpit, but that ain't happening. Um, so I just think that it's it's just a fundamental place. Like it's a really thin line between I can tell you something is wrong is wrong and teach you something is wrong without making it policy. Mm-hmm. And that's what I'm saying. I have a problem when we use policy to push our own personal agenda, yeah. right? Um, what policy was created for was to keep people safe. How is somebody having an abortion going to make the world less safe? I don't get it. Um, what policy was created for was to help make the world a better place. How can we not argue, how can we not want to have a discussion about health care, but yet we want to have a discussion about what a woman is able to do with their body? But heck, maybe if we give them the health care, they need, like being able to go someplace where they can be educated on what a, what a, how abortion started out, the impact that abortion is going to have on you. 
maybe investing money into that is better than just saying straight out you can't do it, right? Um, because then too we learn over time that when you tell somebody they can't do something, it's traditionally what makes people want to do it themselves, like do it even more. Like you ain't gonna tell me what you get, I can't. Right, do. and you've had and you've had you've heard the stories in the past where people have gone to the back alley, back door. You know, garage, that movie, that movie. You know, garage, uh, 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 garage sale abortions. You know, where you know a few a few bucks can you can get it done, and then there's huge complications. Sick and you know the sickness and dying and can't have children. What do you do with the, what do you how do you dispose of a, the the fetus at that point? You you know you create all these extra things that come into play when you say you can't do it. Okay, well, if I can't do it legally, I'll go do it illegally. But they go, they but their whole sole intent is not to be pregnant. And if that requires them to drink, you know, I don't know what the man told them. Didn't he say use drink pisol or whatever he told them? Um, you know, um, but anyway, you to just to try to get rid of it. Then that's what people are will, people are willing to do whatever it takes mm-hmm. to get to be satisfied for themselves or get themselves out of their situation. And yes, they could very well be creating another situation for themselves, but they are willing to go those extreme to those extremes when you say, no, you can't do it. But I think that this brings a big question to the table. So let's shift from abortions, right? Because I know some people are like, what are they talking about? They have no right to be talking about these issues. But shifting from there, I think the bigger question that this leaves us is does the system really work, right? Because the reason why we give Supreme Court justices a lifetime appointment is that they don't have to be swayed by the political persuasion of, of the economy, right? That they're supposed to be non-political. They're supposed to be people who don't move off of what they personally think or what their politics tell them. They're supposed to be people who look at the law and just decipher what the law says. Right. Um, and this is not the law. We've, again, we've established this. Roe versus Wade established Right. That women, based upon the law, had the right to the abortion. That's what John Robinson on the day is like. We're going down a slippery slope. If we like, he's he has done a really good job. I'll have to give him credit for this part of trying to make sure that the court doesn't look like it's a political machine. But some of the people who have recently been elected have done the complete opposite, and they're making the court look like it's a political machine. So let's talk about our next big topic that we mentioned in the beginning. My favorite person to talk about, um, President Trump. So yesterday, President Trump, uh, I'm sorry, former President Trump. Let's make sure, because if we don't say it, I don't think he's going to believe it, but he's former President Trump. Former. Um, Yesterday, he was um, in the appeals court trying to prevent documents from going to the committee that's investigating the January 6th. Insurrection. Thank you, but I would call it treason. Yes. Um, so they gave him 14 days to appeal it to the Supreme Court without him having to turn it over. If I thought yesterday, as of yesterday, I thought, hey, the Supreme Court would be probably be a safe place because they're going to make him give it up. Don't know right now to today <laughs> after the decision they just came up with today. But again, policies. Are there for the Congress has the right to investigate. Congress has the right when they're doing an investigation to request documentation. Right. If this was you or me, would we be going through the same thing? 
I mean, the, the fact that they just gave him time, it, like, what what's the difference between now, 14 days from now, if the truth is the truth, and it's 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 bad for him. But he's also like, when we think about our former president, he's in a lot of hot water right now. Um, I've never heard a president who comes out of office who's been investigated in Georgia, been investigated in D.C., been investigated in New York, and I think that I just read yesterday he's going to be he's going to be um, New York. The Attorney General of New York is um, requiring him to be deposed about his charities. Could that have been any one of us? Definitely. Nope. No, and still walk the streets. <laughs> no, yeah. <laughs> and still walk still the streets. Still walk the streets. Still travel from state to state. Right. Holding rallies. So no, not. But I mean, this and it, it's bigger than just him. When people who have power, people who are in a place of power, do they get rights that most of us don't get? Like you look at even the the congressman from. Florida, Matt Gates, how he was accused of messing with all these little girls and all this kind of stuff, and he's still in Congress. And he's got his own podcast channel and offered to hire Rittenhouse fresh off his conviction. And I think I just read the other day that Rittenhouse, two days after he got um, he got exonerated, he went down to Mar-a-Lago. And who was sent in Mar-a-Lago for him to meet? President Trump <laughs> met with him in former. Mar-a-Lago. Former. Oh, yeah, former president. Former uh, Donald Trump met with him down in Mar-a-Lago. Um, <laughs> I don't, like, and this is, y'all know, like, we have this argument every day in this, probably almost every day in this office, that I try to be as anti-racist um, or racial as possible. But I, we cannot deny that it's different being in the skin of a black man or a woman than it is being in anybody else's skin. And at the same time, too, like, it, it's difficult being in what we consider, quote-unquote, the minority. Like, we met, go to the meetings in 316, right? right. Um, where you hear the same stories going on in the Asian community, the same kind of stories going on in the Hispanic community. That's right. Um, I wish, I really wish that people, I wish for one day you can just swap, you, like, swap bodies with somebody. You know what I'm saying? Like, allow a person to live in our shoes and see what it is that we go through. And I think that would change how judgmental we are against other people. Right. Right. I agree. Now, why would that make a difference? But should he be forced to give up his papers, his documentation? I think he should. Why, yeah, why would he not have to give them up is the question. Like, if, if they can give a, a legitimate reason that he shouldn't, and then it's, the question is, what is he hiding? Yeah, and the, the reality is Congress has the right to request. They're investigating you. Right. right. So why, you know, so what the issue is what? He doesn't want to give them up? Since when is that an option? I'm trying to think. You know what I mean? If the stormtroopers came in and, and just marched in his office and started taking stuff, it would, I mean, it, would they be wrong? But not in, even. In, in confiscating his files? Who was it papers? last year? Was it Rudy Giuliani? Who they came in and Sam racked his office? I mean, it's a lot of people who we don't, they don't get that right. So just because you're a former president, you right. get rights that no, no person. He, no, he's no. no, give him up, man. But give it this, up. this is the thing about it, though. America has a model where we say no one is above the law. You're not showing that now. Right. You allow, no, you, you're, you're definitely not showing it, but that you're still allowing him to get away with, you gave him two weeks, 14 days. 
that's not you allowing somebody who thinks that they're above the law. You're giving them the, you're making them uh, uh, feel more emboldened and more empowered to do so. Yeah, I'm, I'm over it. Um, I really, I'm over it. I'm over him. I'm over what the things that he's doing. Um, I think that the law should be the law and it should just, it, it is. I mean, again, now I will say this about the law. The law is outdated. The law needs to be revised. That's that's given because the law was written not written for me or you, us, mm. you. It wasn't written for us in this room, right? Um, and there's a lot of parts of the law that is old, outdated, and needs to be reformed, right? But let's reform those things. But until then, let's enforce the law that we have in the books, right? Right. Um, and if the law states that Congress can investigate you and subpoena documents and subpoena you witnesses, and they have to come testify before Congress. We shouldn't be in the place where we're having Congress people or people who used to work for pres- the former president being having, having to now go to jail because they're just saying that, forget what Congress said, we're not going. Right. It is. You know, I, I just, I think that if you, <coughs> if you, if you are part of, a, a part of the judicial system and you want people to uh, buy into the law being the law, then you have to uphold the law as written. Right. So that people will say, okay, this is how the legal system works, and we believe in the legal system. If you keep allowing people to break the law as it's written, and then want other people to abide by it, I think that you're eventually going to run into an issue where, you know, you're going to have anarchy. Well, yeah, and this is blatant disrespect yeah. to the law to the country, and you want to call yourself but, a quote no, but not only that, forget a, a, a patriot, but you disrespect the law of the land that you say you're a patriot of. Right. But you disrespect it by not, you know, obeying, being, uh, obeying the law of the land and, you know, choosing to go to jail, you know, because you don't want to tell the truth about things and so the bottom the bottom line so the question i would have is you know you know why are, what's the, what's the problem yeah. why are, why are we why is it even why is this even a conversation to be had yeah. favoritism it's yeah. like when you go get a new, when you get a job uh, and you know somebody that worked at the job so they pull your application no. it's the same thing i mean but my thing is like so if this person is basically blatantly uh, disobeying the law, if you want to say breaking the law or whatever you want to term it, and now wants to run again for president in 2024, mm-hmm. you know, how is that even allowed by a candidate that has put the country in so much turmoil as far as like the whole uh, whatever party? Hey everyone, it is Sean Smith from Black Push Incorporated. I'm here to invite you to our final one accord conference of the year. It'll be hosted on December 11th at 4. Even if he's not, you know, brought up on charges or arrested, I think that that uh, that allows the world to see us in a light that we definitely don't want to be in again. So I assume that um, you're saying no to Trump 2024? I, I, I wouldn't want him back, no. What? You? What? No. <laughs> Why are you surprised about that? <laughs> no, but I mean, so I mean, but in Georgia, I mean, one of the good things about politics, if you like politics, Georgia's the state to be in. Mm-hmm. We have so many moving pieces going on right now. 
of course, you know, we just got Stacey who's announced that she's running for governor. She's the only one on the Democratic side running for governor. Um, but on the Republican side within itself, it is very rare that an incumbent has to run in their own party for their nomination. Mm-hmm. And in the state of Georgia, Brian Kemp is not only running against, I think, not Herschel Walker, what's the other guy's name? Um, I Purdue. can't remember his name. Purdue, Purdue. No, but not Purdue, the, other, the black guy who's running for governor. Um, I cannot think of his name right now. Oh, uh, yeah, I forgot his name. So, but there's, so there's, there's two other people. Three. Three on a Republican ticket yeah. running against the incumbent governor. Um, and Sonny Purdue just jumped in. So politics is going to be crazy instead of George over the next year. But then we got Herschel Walker versus, versus um, um, Warnock. Warnock. And I think I just, I think I just seen was somebody maybe trying to run against Warnock for the, nomina- for the nomination. Like Osoff. Um, Osoff, I'm sorry. No, not Osoff. Osoff already is in this seat. Um, somebody's running against Warnock for the nomination for the state of Georgia's U- U.S. Senate seat. I think, and I may be wrong, but I think that, I think I'm supposed to have a meeting with the person. Um, uh, it's a political uh, battle royale. It's a political battle royale. So <laughs> if you like politics, stay attention to Georgia. But as we get ready to close out, because our time is over, we are out of this piece. We've had a great conversation, probably one of the longest podcasts we've done. Um, but tomorrow, it's December Ooh, 11th. Yeah. December 11th. Ali, it's December 11th. Um, we have, our, as you guys know, we've been going around the state. We start out in the metro Atlanta area doing our one accord conference. And tomorrow is our final one of the year, of 2021, which we are so ready to bury. I'm ready to bury 2021. Um, we have a dynamic roster of people. We have Reverend um, Timothy McDonald, whose church is hosting it at First Iconium. Yeah. Um, we have Pastor Lee May, who's over the DeKalb Ministerial Alliance. We have Reverend Shannon Jones, who's over Concerned Black Clergy of Atlanta. We have um, Dr. Jamal Bryant, who's the head pastor of New Birth Baptist Church. Mission is a missionary Baptist Church. New Birth, New Birth, um, in Stonecrest area. And we also have a special appearance by newly elected yes. Mayor of Atlanta, yes. Andre Dickens, who will be speaking tomorrow. And then we have other guests that are coming out. So. If you are doing nothing tomorrow from 4 to 6 and you want to have a good time, it's, it will be some praise and worship going on. Um, but there will also be a dynamic group of speakers to talk about how social, I mean, faith and some of the issues that are going on in the community, how faith has to take a bigger role in that. Check out this promo video, and we'll be there tomorrow at 4. Maybe. Hey, everyone. It is Sean Smith from Black Push Incorporated. I'm here to invite you to our final One Accord Conference of the year. It'll be hosted on December 11th at 4 p.m. and will be hosted at First Iconium Baptist Church, where we'll have speakers like Reverend Timothy McDonald, Reverend Shannon Jones, Pastor Lee May, Pastor Jamal Bryant, and we'll have a special appearance by newly elected mayor of Atlanta, Andre Dickens. So don't miss out on the opportunity to join us as we come together one more time this year to talk about social injustice, voter suppression, and the role that closure must play. And if you don't believe me, take it from some of our other speakers from our last event. Everybody God ever called was a little off. Want to charge us today to take the position of being proactive. One is a church, one is a package store. Which one is the greater influence?
right, right now, now the greater influence is the package delivery. I don't, I don't know, know how, how we've gotten switched around, but we, we need to bring, bring it back. Where, Where is, is the church, church today? We, we are. Let me last long in our ranks. Is it wall to wall with black women? But because of her in endurance. If you don't know Vincent's name, don't, don't call Brianna probably still killing a tired of hearing our face. This is what I call Go all over the state of Georgia and bring folks together from all political persuasions and religious and nationality that's got to 